Hallelujah. So we meet again by way of media, and I trust you had a wonderful weekend, a blessed time, and today here we are. Let's just worship this King of ours. Father, we worship you, we bless you, we praise you, you're faithful. Hallelujah, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with your glory. We worship you right now. We bless you today. You're faithful, Lord. Thank you, great King. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to serve you in this day and hour. Hallelujah, Abba Father. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Glory to your holy name. Glory to your holy name. We bless you, we praise you, we worship you. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. You're worthy, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We trust you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. The God who knew us before time began. We worship you. We bless you. We're grateful. We yield to you right now. Thank you for strengthening your people today. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Hallelujah. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Glory to your holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the living God forevermore. Hallelujah. Our Father who sits on the throne, we worship you. We thank you for the precious Lord at your right hand, the great high priest of our confession and the great apostle and high priest. We worship you. High priest of mercy, we worship you. We bless you. We consider you. We look to you, Lord. We thank you. We are so grateful. We can serve you in this day and hour. Thank you, Abba Father. Hallelujah. Praise you, Abba. In Jesus' name. We call every need met, every yoke destroyed, every burden removed. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We bless you right now. We receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a faithful God. We've been reading from Second Peter, the first chapter, for a couple of weeks, and we're just going to go down there and read again. From verse 2 it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3 says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So we notice here, as Brother Sharath uh, helps us translate into Canada, I want you to observe that grace and peace are multiplied 
the knowledge of God comes to you and brings grace and peace from God. Hallelujah. Shall we hear verse 2 and 3, please, in Kannada, Brother Sharat? Devar Vishavagiyu, Nama Kartanada Esu Vishavagiyu, Parijnanavu Nimanage Untagudarali, Krupeyu Shantiyu Hechichagiru Doreyali, Tanna Mahimigagiyu, Gunati Shekagiyu, Namanu Karadatana Vishavada, Parijnanada Mulakavagi, Atana Dayashaktiyu, Jeevakku Bhaktiku, Bekadavu Ellavannu Namage Dayapalisitu. Hallelujah. So everything concerning life and godliness is given to us already in the form of precious promises. These we put faith into and believe God because it's actually containing his own nature, which is based on his integrity. Praise the Lord Jesus. Verse 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these... We might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Notice there that these things make us escape from whatever is in the world, whatever uh, destruction, decay, whatever is out there in the natural fallen system that's planning to destroy. Amen? So we're going to have to add to our faith in the promises. Notice there, giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, temperance. Temperance, patience. Patience, godliness. And verse 7 says, to godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you are not barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we are going to just have to increase our knowledge from the scriptures because the scriptures contain the life of God. They are packaged in there. Each scripture is full of power. Each word is full of heaven's power. And so as we increase our knowledge in the word of God, we begin to uh, lean on him more and more. Praise God. So faith has to be developed through this Let's go to Proverbs, the third chapter, and let's observe verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Let's hear that in Kannada also. Amen. So, we are doing something that is contrary to natural nature and sense knowledge we are taking our attention and our focus and our trust off the natural and we are considering the word of god we're not leaning on our own understanding and we're learning this it's progressive it takes time but you're already given that nature on the inside of you because you're born again in your spirit you have the very nature of our father who's a faith god and so the results are, verse 8, It shall be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. It changes you. Whatever you are receiving from the word of God begins to affect your health, begins to affect your physical body. Amen. So you can see that the most powerful things are from the invisible realm. But we'll have to train our mind not to lean on the natural senses. Praise God.
Let's um, hear that also in verse 8 from Kannada. Amen. I'm also going to a scripture in Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, whose heart departs from the Lord. He shall be like a heath in the desert or like a shrub and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land not inhabited. But verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out a root by the river. They shall not see when the heat comes. A leaf shall be green, shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Hallelujah. Let's just hear um, verse 5 and then jump off to verse 8 in Canada. Kartanu Hige Hirutani, Manushanali Nambikitu, Avananu, Tanabahuanagi Madikundu, Kartanakade in the Yavana Hudeu Tolavudu, Avanu Shapa Grasan. Avanu. Yes, please, brother, verse eight. Jeremy Adnere into Avanu Nirina Badiali Nelpatu, Podea Badiali, Tanabiruan Hardiro Marada Hagirwanu, Dagi Baruaga Adu Badi Hogade, Adra Ele Hasiragirwadu. Amen. So we're learning to see that trusting in the Lord, leaning on the Word of God rather than our senses has all these kind of advantages. You do not see good even if it is there if you follow your senses. But in the case of the one who believes the Word of God, he doesn't see any evil even in the time of drought. He's kept, he produces fruit, he increases, he shall not be careful. He's not simply bothered about anything because he has trusted in the Lord. Amen. So we're learning to look away from whatever is out there. The natural progression of events is supposed to be like that, you know, from one thing to the other, to all kinds of bad news, you know, economic woes and whatever they can say or come up with. God is familiar with these things and He's told us singularly again and again, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust in man. Don't trust in the flesh. You don't have to be even concerned during the time of drought or lack of any sort. Amen. So we're learning to uh, not be moved by our senses even though there's such a big temptation to be moved. Hallelujah. So um, in this time particularly, it'll be nice to go over these scriptures and found yourself, make yourself uh, more and more grounded in these things. Hallelujah. I must never forget to emphasize this because at the bottom of that step-by-step uh, step increase, we notice add to your faith in the promises, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, patience, you know, like that it keeps developing till you see the great love of God. But, um, you know, we'll have to be very sure about how God wants us to not lean on what we see or feel. We're, we're supposed to be able to separate that from who we really are. 
We are spirit beings filled with the life and the nature of God. Eternal life has been put into us. The nature of God, the invisible God, has actually been imparted into us. So we are moved by faith, not by sight, not by feelings, not by emotions, not by the news. And we'll have to wean ourselves off that constantly. You know, and this is a great time to do it, especially now. Praise God. So, my brethren, don't forget to be stirred up in your faith. Let's go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and observe there in the 6th verse. It says there, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So there is a diligence involved, and God rewards you. And if this is not true, then we might as well tear that scripture out of the Bible and throw it away. And there's no need to believe God. Might as well just believe man, believe in your strength, believe in your ability, believe what the news says, believe everything out there then the life of God on the inside of us, which is faith life, love of God kind of nature and life, eternal life, all those things will be imprisoned in our spirits and they have no bearing on the natural. They have absolutely no influence on your natural life. It's possible to live like that, but there's no difference between uh, the man out there on the street and the believer who has the life of God. Hallelujah. But thank God, that's not how we live. Let's hear Hebrews 11, verse 6 also in Canada. Please, thank you, brother. Amen. Thank God the word says when we speak wisdom that is not of this world, we speak a special Wisdom, God's wisdom in a mystery, which was written for us for our glory. Notice verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 2. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So we'll have to continue speaking this wisdom, believing in this hidden wisdom. Notice it's hidden. Did you notice that it is hidden? Therefore, everything about us is in the hidden place. Have you noticed that? It's a secret, hidden place, what the natural man cannot understand. So he has to be trained to just be commanded and ordered about from the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Because it's a hidden wisdom. It's a secret wisdom. It's not uh, received by natural man. Verse 8 continues, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Praise the Lord Jesus. And so uh, we notice that they didn't figure it out, and so they crucified the Lord of glory. And because of that, we are paid for, we are redeemed. Amen. So God has been functioning in this wisdom, in this understanding, and that's who He is. And today, as His sons, we are being called to train ourselves to live from that place where 
what you see in the natural, what you feel in the natural, does not determine your actions, does not determine your choice. Hallelujah. So we are building upon that stage by stage until we get this amazing entry, amazing welcome into the everlasting kingdom, which again seems to be a hidden one. Hallelujah. <laughs> so notice we are being invited to a place where everything is hidden. Everything is spirit realm, you know, secret place of the Most High, shadow of the Almighty, hidden in that place. Amazing. We'll have to get used to that. We'll have to study these things, contemplate them again and again, and make a confession out of it so that the man on the outside is trained to just obey what is written in the scripture. Hallelujah. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Praise God. And so we are going in that direction more and more. Let's go also to Colossians and observe there the third chapter. Hallelujah. Nice scriptures there. We always continue to seek Him as it is written. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things that are above, not things on the earth. Now that's not too easy, especially in this time. But we are trained to set our affection, set our thoughts, set our targets in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. So we'll have to go by that. Verse 3 says, For you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Again, your life is hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. Let's hear um, verse 2 and 3 also in Canada, please. It's Bible study. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there we go again and again, reminding ourselves that we are actually from the spirit realm and our affections or our objects of desire are focused in the spirit and our life is actually in the spirit with Christ in God. So this is, this is how we're going to be living for the rest of our life, especially when things in the outside seem to be changing so quickly. We'll have to constantly draw our affections towards the throne, towards the heavenly hidden realms. Verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Notice Christ is our life. In other words... The invisible person, again, Christ, is our life. What you see with your natural eyes is not your life. That's just the natural man that maybe does not receive, in your case, maybe different, does not receive the things of the Spirit for their foolishness unto him. But I believe that you are being in a process of training and the man on the outside is understanding more and more that his sense-ruled life is not going to dominate and the spirit man is going to call the shots. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's hear verse 4 also in Kannada. 
ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷನಾಗುವಾಗ ನೀವು ಸಹ ಆತನ ಜೊತೆಯಲ್ಲಿ ಪ್ರಭಾವದಿಂದ ಕೂಡಿದವರಾಗಿ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷರಾಗುವಿರಿ ಆಮೇನ್ ಸೊ ಕ್ರೈಸ್ಟ್ ಹೂ ಇಸ್ ಅವರ್ ಲೈಫ್ ಶಾಲ್ ಅಪಿಯರ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ವಿ ಅಪಿಯರ್ ವಿತ್ ಹಿಮ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ಸೊ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ಎ ಹಿಡನ್ ಲೈಫ್ ವಿಚ್ ವಿಲ್ ಓನ್ಲಿ ಅಪಿಯರ್ physically when christ himself appears till then it will be hidden in the spirit realm praise god nevertheless as sure as god is alive as sure as jesus is alive your life is also definitely alive in him amen let's look at another verse acts 17 just felt we should go down this way a little bit today and then proceed to hotter waters Acts 17, notice verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. Woo, glory to God. As certain also of your own poets have said, for you are also his offspring. Paul was using some of their culture to preach to them over there in this scripture here in Athens. So while he was preaching, he brought out this truth. For in him we live and move and have our being. our being praise god can we hear that uh, verse 28 also in kannada please aatnalliye naavu jeevisutteve chalisutteve iruttheve nimma santa kavigalalliyu kelavaru naavu aatana santanadavare embadagi helidare so it's interesting that you know people out there also have some revelation from things that they see and they make poems and all of that praise god i use that also every now and then i look at things that you can see and i imagine if they are so beautiful how much more is the creator's wisdom and how much more beautiful is he amen and nobody can tell me that god did not create these things awesome god So the poets back in those days had also said it but what we want to take away from this is in him we live and move and have our being amen that is where our actual full expression comes from being in him hallelujah let's go also to 1st corinthians uh the 8th chapter and verse 6 and i read but to us there is but one god the father of whom are all things and we in him and one lord jesus christ by whom are all things and we by him what an amazing line of scripture praise god let's hear that also in kannada namagadaro obbane devaridane aatanu tande embatane ಆತನು ಸಮಸ್ತಕ್ಕೂ ಮೂಲ ಕಾರಣನು ನಾವು ಆತನಲ್ಲಿ ಇದ್ದೇವೆ ಕರ್ತನಾದ ಯೇಸು ಕ್ರಿಸ್ತನು ಒಬ್ಬನೇ ಆತನ ಮುಖಾಂತರ ಸಮಸ್ತ ಉಂಟಾಯಿತು ನಾವು ಆತನ ಮುಖಾಂತರ ಉಂಟಾದೆವು ಆಮೇನ್ ಸೊ ದಟ್ ಫಾದರ್ ಇನ್ ಹೂಮ್ ವಿ ಆಕ್ಚುಲಿ ಎಕ್ಸಿಸ್ಟ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಜೀಸಸ್ ಕ್ರೈಸ್ಟ್ ವಿ ಆಲ್ ಒನ್ ಇಸ್ ಇನ್ ದಟ್ ಇಂಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ದೆನ್ ದ ವರ್ಸ್ ಕಂಟಿನ್ಯೂಸ್ ಟು ಸೇ ಹೌ ಬಿ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಇನ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಮ್ಯಾನ್ ದಟ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಫಾರ್ ಸಮ್ ವಿತ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯನ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಐಡಲ್ ಆನ್ ಟು ದಿಸ್ ಅವರ್ eat it as a thing offered unto an idol notice that we probably have studied this in our basic foundational doctrines concerning you know uh eating things offered and all that kind of stuff but notice here that we actually are in the father and we are of the father 
and we are in Christ and we are by Him and through Him. Wow, that's the truth. You can't escape this amazing network and mesh into which you have been immersed. Hallelujah. And God gave that position to you long time ago and knew that you would choose Him one day. Hallelujah. So we are just presently plumbing and fathoming how deep His wisdom, how rich His wisdom is, and receiving from that so that we can live in this present world in a victorious way. Hallelujah. Let's read also Second Corinthians, the second chapter, and the 14th verse. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and make it manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. Can you see that what he's saying here is that from the spirit realm, being in God, being in the Father, being by Him and through Him, you are always expected to win all the time. There's no other way. All you get is victory constantly. And you are guaranteed to win. You are a winner. You are not just a flop guy that has been painted up and, you know, given a job on the outside just to look good, but you are actually created from inside to be a winner. So you are a winner just as God is the victor as He triumphed over all our enemies. Hallelujah. And so we need to take a hold of that We've already won in our spirits. It has to manifest on the outside. Amen. Let's hear um, from 1 Corinthians 15. Very interesting scripture there. Christianity namanu yavagalu jayadudane marisutta. Atana vishayavada jnanavamba suvasanenu namamulaka yella sthalagalalli vapanagulisutta baruva devarige stotra. Amen. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So you have the victory because of Jesus, because of God, because of His great love, because of all the things that were planned for you before time began. Jesus has done all these wonderful things, set it all, operated it all, and we thank God. He's a faithful God. Hallelujah. Shall we hear verse 57 also in Canada? Now we thank God that this is the truth, that this is the reality, but it's all the man on the inside. He has the victory because of what Jesus has done, and Jesus made us one with Him, one with the Father, and therefore one with these victory messages that we are receiving here. Hallelujah. That's your portion, and there's no other way. You have to win. You're a winner. You were born that way. You win in every place, always, no matter what it looks like. That's the wisdom that God ordained for you before time began. Hallelujah. Receive it. Accept it. That's your place. Now God wants you to Walk in that in the natural realm. Sometimes it's going to be a challenge because of the natural circumstances, but you're going to win no matter what. 
You're going to press into it no matter how long it takes. That's why we have patience, endurance. Hallelujah. So we're going to do it one day at a time. We're going to make sure that this reality forms our core thinking. That's all we are going to be bothered about. Whatever it looks like on the outside, it doesn't matter. It is hidden wisdom ordained for our glory. Freely given things. God already planned for us before time began. Hallelujah. Let's read another verse in Romans, the 8th chapter also. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I read, it says in verse 31 of Romans 8, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Notice here, God is not going to lay any charge against you. God is for you. God is the one that justifies you. Amen? Verse 34 continues, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Hallelujah. So Jesus, on the other hand, is praying for us. He's not looking for a way to trip us or condemn us or make us sad and keep us in the dumps. Not at all. Rather, he's praying for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, hallelujah. So it's guaranteed. You have to win. God planned it like that. Nothing in all creation. No height, no depth, no power, no principality. Nothing can separate you from the great love of God. He is not against you. He's never working against you. He's rather praying for you so that you receive whatever He paid for, those things which were freely paid for by Jesus. Amen. Let's hear, therefore, um, verse 34 in Canada, please. Romans 8:34. Amen. Hallelujah. So this has to be stuck in our thinking. We'll have to constantly remember that Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is not working against us. Jesus is on our side. And He has set it up like that. He went to the deepest hell and rose to the highest heaven so that He can fill all things, so that your victory is also totally secure. Hallelujah. 
nothing present, nothing to come. No height, no depth, no principality. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So you're not led like sheep to the slaughter. So in other words, Jesus did not leave you in the last days just to be slaughtered by all these things out here. Don't ever think that he left you here as part of the lambs led to the slaughter for the last days. No, 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 no. He left you here because he knew on the inside you're a winner. You are no way inferior to any other victorious conqueror in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You are no match for anything that's out there. In fact, those things are nothing compared to the victory on the inside of you. Jesus went to hell, rose to the highest heaven, that the victory might fill every place. Hallelujah. And He gave you His name, and that name rules in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That victory is guaranteed in all three realms. Hallelujah. The Bible continues to say in the prayer of Ephesians chapter 1, that not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, the exceeding riches of His grace will be seen, the dominion of the name of Jesus will be seen. Hallelujah. So get used to this. Christ has paid a price to make you win in every situation and circumstance. And He's hidden it in the Spirit. He's hidden it on the man on the inside. And that man has to dominate. That man has to rule. doesn't matter what is seen on the outside. Every word that you speak is like Jesus speaking right now. The word on His lips is exactly like the word on your lips. That's why, if you remember, in Brother Anup's message, he talked about the centurion and how, you know, there was the faith that came out of the mouth there of Jesus. And he said, just speak the word and your servant shall be whole. The servant shall be whole. My servant shall be whole. You don't have to come to the house. Just say it. And Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith. No, not in Israel. So that kind of faith is exactly where He's taking us to. He's letting us know that you're in Him. You have His faith. You have His nature. You have His life. And therefore, His word on your lips carries the same power as the word on His own lips. Praise God. So you're going to be careful that you're not speaking anything else except what Jesus would speak for that situation and circumstance. Hallelujah. So as you think on these things, sometimes, you know, uh, misinterpretations of Scripture by people, even as Paul said over there, I mean, Peter said about Paul, you remember? Let's go there. Second Peter chapter 3. He said there in verse 15, I believe, he said, um, account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him as written, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. So, um, there's a possibility of being uh, explained away and conned off your true inheritance in Christ by people who don't understand. And you have to be sure that you understand and you receive. 
because it's not very easy sometimes for the natural man to process. But thank God, in the spirit realm, it's true and you've accepted it. You didn't see Jesus rise from the dead. You didn't go to Golgotha. You know, maybe you've traveled to Israel and you've seen sights and all that. But there's no guarantee that that's the exact place. You don't know whether that's the exact spot where these things happened. Hallelujah. But thank God, your spirit agreed with the word of God, called on the name of Jesus through your lips. And the Bible says, you are saved. Hallelujah. Go with me, please, to Acts. And let's read chapter 15. This is an interesting place where there's discussions in Jerusalem about what they should do about people who get saved from nations that are not Jews. What should we give them? Should we give them laws or should we give them grace? And Jerusalem could not just give them grace alone. They had to throw in some laws also. I mean, praise God. But as much as they tried, they managed. It was not so bad. During that speech there given by Peter and then moderated by the pastor of the church who was James. So in Acts 15, just there, you'll notice that there's a small council of Jewish brethren and Paul has also come there and there's now a question about whether we should be slightly legal or should we go with grace, all those things. Finally, in verse 11, Peter says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So they agree that salvation for Gentiles and Jews is based on the grace of God. I believe that that means... That you are saved. You're not going to be saved. You're already saved, but you're saved in your spirit. And then the outer man picks up on what's on the inside of you based on your diligence in dominating the outer man by the things of the spirit. And so we can probably hear that also in Canada, Acts 15, verse 11. So thank God that it's true, we are saved. Let's look at another scripture in Ephesians, the second chapter, which should pretty much nail it down for us. Hallelujah. It says, verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So notice there in verse 5, he says that while we were dead, he quickened us and by grace we are saved. Amen. Shall we hear that in Canada also? Verse 5 of Ephesians 2. Amen. Isn't that wonderful that we were actually saved in Christ even when we hadn't done anything good? We were still dead in sins. Praise God. Notice in Romans also, the fifth chapter, it says, verse 6, 
For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And verse 10 continues, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Maybe we could read those two in Canada also. Verse 5 and 8, I mean verse 6 and 8, Romans chapter 5, 6 and 8. ನಾವು ಅಶಕ್ತರಾಗಿದ್ದಲ್ಲಿ ಕ್ರಿಸ್ತನು ನಿಯಮಿತ ಕಾಲದಲ್ಲಿ ಭಕ್ತಿಹೀನರಿಗೋಸ್ಕರ ಪ್ರಾಣ ಕೊಟ್ಟನು ವೈರಿಗಳಾಗಿದ್ದ ನಾವು ದೇವರ ಮಗನ ಮರಣದ ಮೂಲಕ ಆತನೊಂದಿಗೆ ಸಮಾಧಾನವಾಗಿದ್ದರೆ ಸಮಾಧಾನವಾದ ನಮಗೆ ಆತನ ಜೀವದಿಂದ ರಕ್ಷಣೆ ಆಗುವುದು ಮತ್ತು ನಿಶ್ಚಯವಲ್ಲವೇ without strength while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and we were you know given salvation in our spirits just because we opened our mouths believing the gospel and called on his name and said yes Jesus died for me Jesus rose up on the third day I believe it and I confess this and we were saved by the grace of God you know and now what we are left with here is what's on the outside has to now be a follow up of the salvation that's happened on the inside so by grace you are saved saved it's better to get that straight you know from the beginning and you know people will interpret the scripture this way and that way and uh, it is true grace is hard to understand for some even as peter explained you know but it's quite simple when you know Jesus has paid the price and Jesus paid while we were without strength without any ability hallelujah so that has to be pondered out so on the inside of you the nature of God has been put salvation is finished on the inside of you you are a winner in every place always you live by faith you are moved by the life of God you're moved by the love of God you're not waiting for your five senses to tell you before you respond you're not waiting for news articles to dictate your judgments etc so we are now le- learning to live like that from inside and the more we can do that uh, the better our outward man begins to see the results hallelujah so in this time particularly i want us to ponder on these kind of things even more make it your confession I am saved and no matter what it is I have the nature of God I have the love of God I have God's own eternal life imparted to my spirit man I live by faith it is hidden wisdom it is victorious I will win every place because of that amount of faith that's been put on the inside of me that nature that's been put on the inside of me I'm guaranteed to win I'm a winner this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith our common faith that faith has already made us winners in any realm that's in this world no matter what's coming up in this world and the name of jesus works in this world and also in that which is to come we had read also in ephesians the second chapter notice that it's good to ponder on these things my son, my brother my sister more and more verse 6 said raise us up together Ephesians 2 made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come 
See, not just in this church age, there are other ages also coming up. And in those other ages also, you're going to see the riches of His grace manifested. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So, you have some things that are put on the inside of you that will outlast this age and go into other ages. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's exceeding riches of grace that have been put into you, into your spirit man, with the salvation packet that came by calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You did not help. You didn't have the strength to help. You didn't have the ability to help. Salvation was put into your credit, put into your spirit, and you have the very nature of God locked up on the inside. Praise God. The same faith, life, nature is on the inside of you. And so you cannot be led by your senses. You cannot be led by your feelings. When you are led from within, then you become more of the son of that household. The inheritor has begun to rule and dominate, and he receives his inheritance. Amen? We have to think about these things, particularly in these days. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's look at another scripture which would really uh, bolster these truths. Let's go to Colossians and observe there the second chapter. Observe there. Verse 9, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10 continues, And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Praise God. Notice there, He says, You are in Him, and in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, you and the Godhead are tied into this thing together and it's limitless. There are no bounds to what can happen when you begin to think that way and act upon that reality. Praise God. You are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Can we hear um, Ephesians 2, 8 in Canada, please? Hallelujah. So we are expecting to go on, brother. First, I think it is nine in Canada. Okay. So I'll read nine. Sure, go. Amen. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10 says, and you are complete in him. Let's hear verse 10 also. Oh, glory to God. So there you go. In completeness, there's been things put into your spirit in the life of God, it's a complete thing. It's a full package. There's actually nothing missing there. <laughs> and the grace of God that did it is going to show beyond this age and to the other ages 
all that kindness in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So you can see here that God has not planned to put us to shame in any area. Power of the new covenant says that you will not be put to shame. You cannot be put to shame. You're guaranteed to win. You're a winner in every place. We just have to now begin to say that, begin to act like it's true. And little baby steps you take and speak from morning and begin to say it during the day will make you receive the benefit in that particular time. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what it looks like. As you stand in these truths, these things are going to come to pass. What Jesus did was no lie. It's a reality. It's true. And it's going to affect you. Hallelujah. Notice verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So, you know, man has his own take on all these things and they try to say this and that and the other. But you just stick with the simple truths, the clear truths that are real in the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. So, from there, we're going to now make sure we are clear. How clear are you is the question. I remember reading this scripture over in Acts 19 one time and different people had all manner of Different takes on the matter. Acts 19. Let's go there. You remember God did um, special miracles there by the hand of Apostle Paul. And handkerchiefs taken from his body when laid on the sick. You know, effected a healing and a cure. Demons left and all that. So verse 13 says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This was known uh, to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Maybe we can read uh, from verse 13 onwards just uh, in Canada, get a background. Amen. So here, you know, I remember this particular brother had said, imagine there, the devil is asking questions. He's saying, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? So, you know, the devil knows who we are. And uh, he may ask, who are you? I don't know you. Praise God. <laughs> so what are you going to say about that, you know? The point of the matter must be understood and it must be clear. You are saved. You are a child of God. 
you're given the name of Jesus. You have the life of God. You have the authority of the name of Jesus. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. You're accounted for. You are a brother of the Lord Jesus. You're baptized into the name of Jesus. It has become like your own name. Jesus, the head, you are the body. And you use that name. He said, in my name, the first thing you'll do is cast out devils. Mark 16. Praise God. And here, the point of the matter is in verse 13. He says, certain vagabond Jews, exorcists. So these guys are Jews, but they go around. Uh, the word vagabond means they travel here and there. And uh, they use certain formulae. Exorcists, if you check in the dictionary, it means people who use secret formulae to have authority over spirits. So it's not that they have real authority over spirits, but something temporary happens and they're paid for it. So that was their job, that was their business. And, um, you know, Jesus had quoted about them in the book of Luke and said, you say that I cast out devils by Beelzebub, by whom do, do your fathers cast them out? You remember that? So they used to do this back then also. And uh, here is the same situation. It's, again, Jewish folks. So, um, you know, they don't have the name of Jesus because they are not believers. But they decided to use the name because they heard Paul preaching it and they saw drastic results. So they said, let's throw that in also and see what will happen. Amen. And said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And, uh, you know, guess what happened? The devil in that person overpowered them, prevailed, dominated over seven over them, seven of them, left them naked and wounded. Just one person was so empowered to thrash seven of them. Notice verse 15, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Praise God. Very interesting, isn't it? Now, somebody may also use this line and jump off to Matthew 7 and pick it up with you. So, you have to know if you have clarity in it. Matthew 7 says in verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name have uh, cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So questions start to arise there, you know, <clears throat> what is this? Well, guess what? Jesus had a very plain answer in John chapter 10, which you know about. Let's go there. John 10. Let's hear this in Canada first. Let's not leave them too far. Uh, read, please, brother. Can you read um, Matthew 7, 22 in Canada, please? Hallelujah. Notice from that scripture, we jump off to chapter 10 of John. It says, My sheep, 
In verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me. Jesus knows his own sheep. He knows them. Notice that. He has them in a record, and he knows them, those that he has given eternal life to. Verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life. You see that? And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. From these verses, you can see there that Jesus knows those who have accepted and received eternal life. And we also know Him, don't we? So the the person who does not recognize those who work for him is the devil. He says, I know Paul, I know Jesus, but I don't know these guys who have been working for me (laughs) for many years, the seven sons of Sceva. I don't know them. See, the devil doesn't know those who work for him, but he knows Jesus. He knows believers. And Jesus knows those who work for him. Jesus knows those whom he has given eternal life to. Praise God. So that verse in Matthew 7 is not talking about believers. He's talking about people like the sons of Sceva, people who are not really saved, using his name, doing stuff. Those who are saved, they are saved. And he knows them. He's not going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Get that. This has to be received. This has to be accepted. Otherwise, um, you're not going to have the authority to stand and do certain things in this time. There is nothing present, nothing to come, no height, no depth, no power, no principality, nothing in all of creation that can stop the victory that was given to us in Christ Jesus. Nothing. The name of Jesus has paid for all realms, the deepest hell to the highest heaven, all three worlds. And we have authority to enforce victory in every of these realms till we see Jesus and we are still going to see the benefits in the ages to come. Hallelujah. You see, without this understanding, you know, you could be uh, not functioning on all cylinders. You know, it's like there are four cylinders in a car, but then when you press the gas, it just kind of goes nowhere and you're wondering, this thing is supposed to be, you know, a four-cylinder engine here and you just hear put, put, put here and there, you know, and a little smoke, but it doesn't really go. See, so we need to function in all of our cylinders, all that God paid for us. You are complete in Him. You have authority to trample on serpents, scorpions, all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you, and you are saved. That has to be clear. You have eternal life. The Father, who is greater than all, gave you to Jesus, and He gave you life and put you in Jesus' hands and in the Father's hands, and nothing can take you out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So you have to guard your mind. You have to fight against any other thinking. You have to resist any such thoughts. Let's hear this also in Canada, please. Um, John 10 from verse 27. Hallelujah. 
ನನ್ನ ತಂದೆಯ ಕೈಯೊಳಗಿಂದ ಅವುಗಳನ್ನು ಯಾವನು ಕಸಕೊಳ್ಳಲಾರ it's going to take a lot to get out of this grip of the father and the son and i'm telling you it's really hard now with those thoughts in mind let's go to the more scarier verses that we have been observing earlier hallelujah because unless this is clear you know you are going to be shot to pieces by certain scriptures i'm telling you, you won't be able to survive so who is on our side Jesus is on our side. Who's praying for us? Jesus is praying for us. Who's condemning us? Not Jesus. Who has saved us? Jesus. When we had no strength, he saved us. Hallelujah. Much more now that we're his sons. Yeah, let's finish that also. Let's go off to um Ephesians. Or let's go to Romans instead. Romans 5 and observe there verse 10 when we were yet enemies we were reconciled to god by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life shall we hear that in verse uh, in kannada please 5 and verse 10 romans 5:10 vaidigala yeah vaidigalagidda naavu devara magana maranada moolaka aatanandige samadhanavagiddare samadhanavada namage aatan jeevarinda rakshanayagudu mattu nishchayavallagutte Hmm. praise god and to make it even more amazing he says not only so but we also joy in god through our lord jesus christ by whom we have now received the atonement notice he says because of all that we just get excited and jump up and down and shout and that's why we are excited people because now that he paid for us when we were still without help unworthy sinners how much more now that we are sons now that we have his own life his own nature how much more now he's praying for us he's on our side his life avails for us you know this jesus has not stopped living for us it's amazing hallelujah praise the lord let's go to hebrews also the 7th chapter and verse 25 we have to nail these things down go over them think about them pray over them notice there in hebrews 7 and 25 he says he has an unchangeable priesthood 25 says wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost to deliver them completely bring them out of every situation heal protect preserve deliver to the uttermost that come unto him by him to god by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them oh glory to god can you see we are trusting the word that he has spoken the life he has given us the nature on the inside of us the love that he has toward us and then his prayers for us which are guaranteed to deliver us to the uttermost completely praise god let's hear that 725 also in he um canada from hebrews adakarana aatanu tanna moolaka devara balige baruvarannu sampurnavaagi Hallelujah. So you see we are not really trusting ourselves in this whole matter. 
There's nothing about trust yourself. That's the world. Trust in yourself. Trust yourself. Come on, man. No. Self-confidence. Blah, blah. No, this has nothing to do with self-confidence. Get that. So it doesn't matter if you don't seem like a very confident guy in yourself. In fact, Paul said, we have no confidence in our, in our flesh, in our own human nature. Praise God. So don't be moved by all that. This is a time where you look away from all that and you focus on what's on the inside of you and who's praying for you at the right hand of the Father. Notice here also in Jude 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion, power, both now and forever. Amen. Can you see who we're dealing with? He's the one praying for us. Hallelujah. He's the one that's able to keep us. Glory to God. Shall we hear that also in Canada, please? Verse 24 and 25 of Jude. Praise God. Very interesting. This person is a half-brother of the Lord Jesus also. And um, by his writings, you can see his own confession in verse 3. He says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, notice, it was needful for me to write and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And then he had to change the message about certain folks creeping in unawares. Verse 4. So, um, you know, there is that problem of people creeping in, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord, our God, the Lord Jesus. That's the only problem. You know, people who don't understand this, they come in and they will be there in the last days. They turn the grace of God to all kinds of other things. But you don't have to be moved by all that. You can trust the one who is praying for you at the right hand of majesty on high. You can receive what is true about the grace of God. You are saved. You have the life of God. You have the love of God. You have the very nature of God. All these truths are in your spirit man. You have the very faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. All reality. And by that, you don't have to pay attention to what your senses are saying. Praise God. Your life is actually hidden. You are dead. The old man is dead. Your new life is hidden with Christ in God. It's in the spirit realm. It's in the born-again spirit nature. And when he comes, then you will see who you really are. Till then, it looks like he's hidden, and you have to demonstrate for yourself what it means to you first. By revelation, you will show on the outside what you, you believe, what it means to you. And people will watch it and read it and say, oh, that's what grace is. That's what Jesus has done for them. Amen? So this is not a time to quit, waver, shake about anything, about whether devils know your name, or does Jesus still remember you? Uh, has he forgotten you? Uh, you know, there's no need for all that. Now's the time to be really sure about certain things. Very, very clear. 
that you are known of Him. He is not against you. He is not condemning you. Praise God. No matter who's saying what, what the world or any so-called grace teacher is saying, you don't have to be moved by all those things. Praise God. You're going to trust Him that is keeping you. He's able to keep you. What you have committed to Him, He's able to keep until that day. He's alive. He's praying. He has not stopped. He's on your side. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, awesome. So, let's go off from there to the book of, yes, Revelation. You guessed it. Because that's some of the scariest stuff you will ever see. It can scare you into the next millennium, I tell you. And so scary that, you know, I just did not even bother reading much out of it at all. Only what I knew very clearly I would read. And, uh, you know, I was safe. And today, since it's almost 2,000 years, I believe Jesus heard all your prayers and our prayers and said, man, you need to see this thing more clearly. So let's go to the third chapter of Revelation. And let's read there from um, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things. Said the Amen. Did you notice there's somebody called the Amen? The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. Some folks are so weird that because it's written like that, they said, you know, Jesus was created also. And the devil also was once a created angel. And so Jesus was his brother and all of that stuff. <laughs> so because of uh, just one or two verses here and there, they just made it up that, you see, Jesus is the first of God's creation. But that's not what it means. What it means is that he's the first one, the origin, the first one who created everything. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all the same. Amen? So you need to settle that also because, you know, there are all kinds of books and all kinds of stuff out there. And when I was in school, one of my roommates was uh, into uh, light he, he said he, he was one of the light bearers and, you know, belonged to the light. And they had their own books and all of that stuff. He was a very serious guy, very quiet guy. He dressed very well, but he was very quiet. And he was very um, aggressive about studying and everything. So he looked like a winner type, you know, in full control. But, you know, he was not really a believer. He had his own slant. And there are people out there, I mean, they teach all kinds of stuff. And they have their own books and everything. So you need to know what you believe in. You need to know whether you, you are actually in the Lord, believing the truths about Him. Praise God. You need to be settled about it. It was so powerful that Jude had, he was planning to write some stuff on salvation. And he just went off and said, I need to tell you about these guys who are creeping in to turn the grace of God into some lasciviousness and other things. Praise God. But here, he's called the Amen. That means, that's it. If I say it, that's it. It's Amen. You just have to say Amen to it. <laughs> Don't you like someone who's on that level who says, I'm the Amen? Yes. He's introducing himself to the church 
You remember he's talking to the pastors, the stars, and then the churches. And he's talking directly to them. And he says, he's the faithful and the, and the true witness. Praise God, he cannot lie. The beginning of the creation of God or the one who created everything. Everything was created by him. Remember Colossians 1, it says, visible and invisible. From verse 16 onwards, visible, invisible, all things were created by him and for him. Without him was not anything that was created. Verse 15, I know thy works. That verse that's very, uh, you know, examining. I know thy works. I know what you are up to. I know. Praise God. You're dealing with someone who knows everything about you. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. Praise God. You know, you may have heard all kinds of teachings on that. But I decided to check Wikipedia, just like anybody out there, and just look at the whole history and see whether there was any such issues of cold or hot or, you know, just checking. And when I noticed the structures there, it looks like it was a pretty prosperous place. Laodicea comes in a place in Turkey, has a name that sounds like Denzel, but not Denzel Washington, Denizil or something like that. And that's the present-day name of that spot. And it was close to Colosse and, you know, Hierapolis, another place. So it's there today in Turkey, and the, the ruins are there. It's an amazing place, I'm telling you. And um, praise God, he's talking to that church. And you remember Paul, around um, Acts 19 and 20, had such a great increase that the word of God grew and multiplied. You remember, after the demons that left from the situation of the sons of Sceva, the next verse says, So mightily grew the word and prevailed. That's Acts 19.20. And then it continues to say that he hung around there with the success. People came and burnt their books, magical stuff. And that's talking about even believers who strayed away. You know, if you read it, there are many who believed. So it, it, it has some plus and minus, including believers who had kind of begin to dabble into other things and you know and handwritten scrolls are what he's talking about so they didn't have textbooks and all that printed so taking all trouble to write about magic and spells and all of that Ari and Potter and all of those things you know and uh, they came and burnt them all and the Bible continues to say as you read that all of Asia heard about the word and that is these churches that you see, known as the seven churches. So Paul is the one that affected all of those churches. These are the churches in Asia. Are you getting that? So the fellows who followed Paul, the disciples who hearkened and grew. In fact, even Epaphras was one of them in charge of the churches in that site. And they had great success. And, you know, interesting, it's all written in Wikipedia, by the way, about Philip. Philip and his four virgin daughters. Philip was killed there. They show Philip's tomb, and they talk about his daughters. All that is in Wikipedia. The, the, I'm telling you, the information that the Bible has is what the world is living on for those places. 
they don't have enough you know stuff but it's nice to compare so what he's talking about here is that this place was so rich they were super loaded people they had a medical school and they had something called phrygian eye powder which was used for eye infections and uh, it was known in the bible as eye salve <laughs> can you imagine all these things are out there written there plainly in wikipedia and they show all the pictures and that Colossae had um, cold water and the other place about 6 kilometers or 11 kilometers away had warm water and these guys had no such water they had some serious water problem and so it was talking about water that was actually in these various places compared to these people who did not have water but because they were so well off they decided to have an aqueduct that means a pipe system to bring water from colossae and from the other place which was warm so colossae had the cold water the other place had the warm water and they brought it by pipes because they were very very rich people they were so rich that they actually engineered this these pipes and waited for years for the pipes to start working and bring the water today they still have those uh, warm springs where people go and you know take baths and drink and stuff like that so that is the context of it all available in wikipedia interesting isn't it so he says i know thy works thou art neither cold nor hot i would thou were cold or hot i wish you were either cold or hot is an actual wish so the cold was supposed to be melted snow cooling so refreshing that people would like to drink it and enjoy the cold water and then the other was medicinal springs verse 16 so then because you are lukewarm neither cold nor hot i will spew thee out from my mouth so what happened was by the time the water reached their place it had weird tastes coming from the, the you know the pipes and uh, all of that just became nothing special and so if you put it in your mouth you felt like spitting it immediately now this can be quite a knocker for a believer what do you mean man Jesus spits you out of his mouth does that mean that that's it i mean the body of christ and it has a mouth and you drink the water and then he spits it out he vomits it out does it mean that jesus can vomit you out of his body and that that's the end of your life you you've lost your salvation you know well let's keep reading you have to compare scriptures right now he said no one shall pluck them out of my hand they will never perish isn't it so then because thou art lukewarm neither cold nor hot i will spew thee out of my mouth shall we hear uh, verse 16 in kannada please adare neenu tannagagali illave vechagagali illade uguru vechagiruvudarinda ninnanna nanna baayolaginda kaaruvenu praise god notice the context continues because thou sayest i am rich oh oh so there goes the prosperity teaching 
We don't say I'm poor. We say we are rich. We are rich in Christ. He became poor for us so that we through his poverty might be rich. Then he says here, but you say you are rich and am increased with goods and have need of nothing. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, if you ask a real prosperity believer, brother, do you need anything? They'll tell you, I'm full, brother. All my needs are met. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. Doesn't that sound like verse 17? So is it like you can't say such a thing? No, guess what? These guys were super rich. That town was rich. They were so rich that they, you know, had to tell Rome. Rome said there was an earthquake there. All Wikipedia. There was an earthquake there around the first century. It wrecked the whole place. And Rome said, hey, we'll build you guys up. Don't worry. They said, no, we don't need your help. We'll do it. That's how loaded they were, and that's how arrogant they were. That arrogance came into the church also. I have everything. I don't need anything. I'm the man. Deuteronomy 8 says, in verse 18, Do not forget the Lord, because He that gives you the power to get wealth. So these guys, it looks like they had gone to a place where they had so much that they did not bother I mean, most of the time, you know, people go to church because they need something. Once you have everything, you go to church just to maintain appearances. Because people are going, and you are also a believer, you also go. These are believers. So they were just going to keep it up. And they were not in that fervency of seeking God because they have everything. They don't need anything. Are you getting this? Hallelujah. They have everything. They don't need anything. Interesting, isn't it? So, we need to start thinking, if I had everything, I ask that question and it causes trouble. If I have everything, do I still need to go to church? Why do I need to go to church? I got the best cars, best houses. I have better things than the church people, even the pastor. Why should I go there? Pastor has a junk car. I have a Rolls Royce. Why should I go there? All these things. So that began to creep in there. And they said, I have, I have need of nothing. Because you say. See, it's not what Jesus said. It's what they said. So they began to say, I am. The last one we read was about someone who called herself a prophetess. Remember that? She called herself a prophetess. I didn't read all that too much because it's pretty clunky stuff, man. But, you know, you cannot trust what people say. You have to get what Jesus said. You cannot even trust what you say. You have to trust what the Word says. Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods. Notice, goods increase, loaded have need of nothing, then he says, and knowest not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. All this is connected with uh, lukewarm. Okay? Lukewarm means you think you have arrived as far as natural things. I got it all, man. I've got it all. I got it all. But then, 
Jesus, who knows you, who knows exactly what you were created for and how you were, says various other things. Verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. He has no problem with people being rich, but he has problems with people thinking that they got it by themselves or that's all they wanted because there's another richness he's talking about or riches he's talking about that you may be rich that way also and you see that that you may be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that thy shame or the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see then he continues as many as I love I don't say a thing to them is that what he said? No. He said, that's my problem. As many as I love, I cannot let them just be like that. I can't sit there and watch them do whatever they want. I have to rebuke them. I have to grab them and talk to them. I have to speak to them in a way that gets their attention because I love them, because I know what's going to happen in the end. Amen? Not that you're going to lose your salvation. Are you seeing that? You cannot lose your salvation based on these things. Praise God. Yeah, you are not giving Him the flavor or the temperature of a hot, passionate walk. He's not enjoying your fellowship. It's not exciting anymore. Praise God. He has no taste. He's not enjoying that life that you fellowship with Him. He doesn't get anything out of it. Jesus wants to receive from us certain fellowship, certain desire, certain love, adoration, real stuff. And we need to be able to tell if it's not real anymore. We need to be able to tell when we're just going through motions, whether we are not really actually loving Him and going after Him. Praise God. It has to be clear. So Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Pour your heart out before the Lord. Pour your heart out before the Lord. You just have to talk to Him and tell Him, Lord, you know what? <laughs> I don't feel that great anymore. What is all this? You need to just be open with Him. As open as ever. Praise God. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He says, be zealous therefore and repent. He says, take it seriously. Zealous means get very serious about it. Get passionate about it and get angry. And say, this has to stop. These attitudes have to stop. I have to change. This thinking is not right. This attitude is not right. Hallelujah. As many as he loves... He chastises. Glory to God. Therefore repent. Then he goes, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> Most people have heard this as evangelism, but he's actually talking to the church. He's not talking to sinners and Jesus knocking on the door. He's talking to believers and he's trying to have access into their lives. He's like, knock, knock, knock. Hello, knock, knock, knock. You remember me? Have you thrown me out of your house? 
What happened, man? Notice he keeps knocking. He doesn't stop. After all this, he's knocking. After taking a full commentary about their lives, he's not driving them away. He's out there knocking. Can you see that person? He's saying, you know, I'd like to come and fellowship with you. I'd like to get back with you the way it used to be. Praise God. That's the one we're trusting in. Not ourselves even. We're trusting in Him. Lord, you created me for a certain reason. You created me for a certain purpose. I want that purpose. I want to do all that I was created for. Lord, help me. I don't want to miss it, Lord. And so you pray certain prayers. You desire certain things. You set certain affections in certain directions. And you're thinking in certain ways because you don't want to be able to put him outside and lock him out. Can you imagine locking Jesus out and he's knocking? How does he knock? By his word. You keep hearing it again and again. He's talking to you. If you hear the same thing again and again, he's talking to you. He's trying to get through to you. Hallelujah. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open. Notice, it's not the knocking, it's the voice. Are you getting it? So how does he knock? Through the voice, through the word. Through the spirit. Hear my voice and open the door. I will come in. I will instantly come. I will sup with him. He with me. To him that overcometh, he straight away changes into, now you're going to be the overcoming type. Fellowship back with me. Restoration in fellowship. Walk with me again. Get into the victory mode. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am sat down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, I seriously believe. It's just me, okay, I'm still um, studying it all. I seriously believe that all of us don't have access to every place in heaven. I believe that. I believe that everybody cannot go to places in heaven where Paul can go. The man who died on the cross, you know, next to Jesus and went to heaven, that guy is not going to get the same kind of access as Paul is going to get. I don't think so. I really believe that based on the way we handle our life and our fellowship with God, we have access to various places. There are some people who are going to be around the main areas of, of the Father and the throne room, like the 24 elders. You cannot break into that place and say, I want one seat here. There's just 24. You know, it's not where you go and bribe your way and become an MLA. You cannot. It's not going to happen. It's, it's set and there are people who are going to sit there and there are people who are going to serve him and never leave his presence. And, you know, all those thoughts are there. But at least, you know, as we think on these thoughts here, when the Lord starts to tell you something again and again and again, he's probably wanting our attention. He wants us to hear. He wants us to open. He wants us to be zealous, to repent. He wants us to be able to give him the fellowship he wants, the real fellowship. You know, he's a real person. 
And he desires it. He desires our faith. He desires our love. He desires our worship, our adoration. You know, they ministered unto the Lord and fasted. Sometimes people really don't minister to the Lord. They just minister to themselves and try to prove that they are better at singing or playing than others. But are we really ministering to the Lord? You know, it's in the secret place that all these things are checked. We have enough time nowadays to be able to check these things. And I would say it's a great time. The Lord is coming soon. Your name is not going to be kicked out of the book and you're not going to be vomited out of salvation. But rather, you know, I believe that certain books will have certain types of records. This person did the full works. This person didn't do the full works. This person, you know, lost some of the rewards and he was not hot, etc. So what he's saying to those seven churches, he's saying to all of us. And we need to just keep checking constantly with whom we have to do. Looking to him in prayer. Pray things out when you don't feel alright. Keep praying until the nakedness that you perceive, the emptiness, the void in your life is settled. Praise God. You know, sometimes if you go to hospitals to visit people, they wear these things. They look so great on the outside, little designs. But then when they turn around, you have to look elsewhere because there's nothing at the back. But they may not know it because they are under the influence of all these sedatives. You know, so I can imagine that this church was like that. They felt so cool, but they were heavily sedated by the world and the attitude of those days, they didn't know that there was nothing covering them, actually. They just felt they were great. <laughs> now, that's a shocker, man. I don't want to be shocked. I don't want to think that I'm something when I'm actually nothing in His eyes. So we come to Him and say, Lord, I'm nothing without You. I trust in You. Everything I have, You gave to me. You gave me Your life. Every blessing, every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord. It's not my strength. It's not my ability. You chose the foolish. I worship you. I thank you. I look to you. And you give us power to get well so we can establish a covenant on the earth. Help us to, to look this way, to focus on you again and again, Lord. Help us to not miss the paths that were created for us the people that we were supposed to meet, the targets we were supposed to finish, you know, forgetting the things that are past, I press toward the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. Let's not um, miss some of these verses in Canada also. Verse 18 of Revelation 3, please, in Canada. Ninu and verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke, chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Let's hear that also in Kannada, please. 
So the Spirit of God will anoint our eyes to see. Therefore it's good, those prayer pocket things that we have, you know, the prayer for revelation, the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that we will know the hope of His calling. Why did you call me, Lord? What is the plan? All these things, you know, open our eyes to see the reality of our place in God. Amazing prayers in the Scripture that we need to keep praying again and again. You know, don't look down on those things. They are the power of the Scripture inside there, the Holy Ghost that inspired them. The Holy Spirit is saying that He will anoint our eyes that we can see. Praise God. And so, anytime you are feeling like, man, I have not done what I ought to do, and some emptiness is there, it's a good thing to go and make sure that you are back on track. Take time to wait on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. The fountain of life is available. The one who knows us before time began, he, he, he's clearly on our side. He's not against us. He's not condemning us. He's for us. He's praying for us. And He just wants you and me to be open, you know, constantly aware that this is written to all of us. Praise God. I believe that God is speaking to our hearts today. And if you know that He has spoken to you, take that time to say, Lord, I open my heart to you. I'm yielded to you. Praise God. Let's go also to the book of John and see similar scriptures. Ooh, okay. Praise God. I believe we've gone way off time, so I'll have to call it in. Praise God. We'll continue next week. I believe you're blessed. I believe you're having a great time. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We bless you. We praise you. You're a faithful God. You'll do what you said. We open our hearts to you. We yield to you right now. Righteous King, Holy One, we give you permission to speak to us personally. Lord, let your word be alive to us. May we be zealous to repent, zealous to make adjustments, Abba Father. We worship you right now. We bless you right now. Thank you, Holy One, especially in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I believe you're blessed. I believe you had a good time. Thank you, Brother Sharat. We're going to now receive uh, the offerings. If you'd like to give anything to the church by way of media, you're welcome. This is our moment. Praise God. We use this as a point of contact also. If you want to give tithes and offerings, thank you. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. We worship you. We give expecting from heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. The God who wants us to be rich, we love you. Thank you that you are better than any natural father. Seek for the things that endure, not for the temporary, but the things that endure. Let your wealth endure. Let your time be redeemed. Let your life be fruitful. As you look to Him, as you consider Him, these realities will become 
part of your life. Ha, ha, ha. Glory, Lord. Lord, here mortal men receive. There he that lives forever receives. I stand here as your representative. As your people give, may they receive from the open heavens. Every curse is broken. Every lie is cancelled. May they have wealth, riches, honor. May they have length of days. May they live and be satisfied. I thank you for your provision. Angels work. The earth yield. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Sharat. Thank you, team. Thank you so much. You're blessed.